ऑडियो हॉप पॉडकास्ट दिस इज द विस्की एडवाइजर शो ऑन दिस शो वी सैंपल सम फाइन विस्कीज शेयर इंटरेस्टिंग टेल्स एंड ट्रिविया एंड आंसर योर मोस्ट इंपॉर्टेंट क्वेश्चन अबाउट विस्की And now here's your host the whiskey advisor Uday Balaji Hello everyone welcome back to the whiskey advisor show This week we stay on in Speyside to visit another legendary distillery Abelow This is just a short 10 minute drive from the distillery we saw last week the Balvenie As always with me is the whiskey rook Piyush How are you today Piyush I'm doing great today uh great to hear that we're talking about abelow today so you remember when we spoke about uh, glen grant well it's a few episodes ago now yeah uh we spoke about uh, james and john grant right? yes i remember so they were actually the ones who started this distillery back in 1825 mm-hmm. uh but when they decided to open glen grant distillery they left you know around 1833 and uh, nothing really happened after that so the hero of the story is uh, James Fleming. Uh-huh. So he was a grain dealer in the town of Abelow and uh, he used to supply grain to the distilleries around. But his dream was always, you know, he wanted his own distillery. And uh, this is a bit of a contrast, you know, why I mention it is typically we talk about the farmer who became the distiller. We don't really talk about the grain trader who became the distiller, right? So yeah, so now we have a grain trader who in 1879 founded the abelow distillery as we know it now mm. um there's one thing that i have to mention because we don't really talk too much about the water sources of uh, distilleries but this one is quite interesting because it dates back to the 6th century oh and uh, it's called st drosten's well mm-hmm. in fact if you look at uh, the case the logo has the well you see that square logo ah okay yeah. okay that's, that's the well one. yeah yeah and uh, unfortunately in the 1898 the distillery burned down but uh, this is an interesting time to bring in a key name in scotch distillery architecture and his name is charles doig why i say is a key name in architecture is all the really pretty distilleries you know when you're driving through a uh, space side or most parts of scotland you cannot miss a distillery because it'll have these fancy chinese pagoda style roofs mm-hmm. the reason for those roofs is when you you that's for the malt kiln so okay. you know when you're kilning your barley mm-hmm. you have this roof that allows a good amount of air to flow through while also uh this looking pretty and dissipating the uh fumes mm-hmm. dissipating the smoke mm-hmm. so the truth of it is most of the distilleries these days don't do their own kilning right because they source their malt from commercial maltsters but it still looks very pretty in fact some of the distilleries that come up even now they never had any history of malting in on their site but they still like still to put it. that yeah. uh, you know kind of pretty pagoda because you know tourists comes to the distillery and like what is this why doesn't it look like a distillery right so okay. there's uh, two kind of very distinct architectures and distilleries coming up now the really more modern ones and the uh, kind of like you know the ones that still want to look old and quaint um but coming back to abelower so it was bought in 1975 by pernorica 
you know this name keeps coming up again and again like for the glenlivet as well this is another big brand that they own and uh, it's very popular in france it could be firstly because of perno but also when we taste you know it has a very distinct profile that maybe appeals to the french okay but talking about the taste um i have to you know reminisce a little bit about the first time that i had uh, abelow so what happened was so my family was just traveling this spent on a family trip to singapore so it was mom dad my brother and his family and uh, it's really expensive to buy booze in singapore right so we picked up a couple of bottles of single malts from um, duty free and just to have like you know that evening tipple before heading out on the town and the bottles that we picked were the glenmorang kinter ruben which mm-hmm. we talked about the port finished uh, kinter ruben and uh, the abelow 12 i still distinctly remember this bottle you know because i was thinking about it the other day it took me a while to remember the glenmorang but the abelow with that thick you know fat bottle the one that you you know when you saw it today you were like oh that's a really pretty bottle yeah so that's something to keep in mind folks if you're looking for a really pretty bottle this will look really cool on the bar uh but yeah coming back to the story so we picked up the bottles went uh, to the place we were staying and but you know it is really nice because it is the first time that dad and i sat and had a drink together oh okay and uh, it was not just dad and i it was also my brother so it is three of us very nice relaxed you know talking about these whiskies how different they were uh and good memories and one memory is also after about the second drink mom was looking at us and says like okay don't you think it's enough <laughs> but yeah you know so okay. we all have that back home uh but yeah great memories and take as many as you can yeah indeed special memory because the first drink with that yeah. supposed to be special absolutely so talking about memories why not make a little memory of ours here and uh, pour a dram absolutely uday please do the honors sure So guys this is a wonderful bottle i hope the dram inside it is good too as always slanja slanja all right so we're going to be tasting the abelow 12 today this is that same whiskey that my dad brother and i had in singapore wow it was a long time ago now um so let's get right into it let's look at the color I'm getting burnished. I'd actually put this closer to you know it's getting more into that russet musket kind. Of, actually, I'd say chestnut kind. Yeah, of chestnut. Area. Yeah, chestnut. Yeah. Chestnut and burnished somewhere mm. in between for me. So this is you know along with the dalmo, this is probably one of the darker ones that we've had. Okay. How about the visual texture? It seems pretty viscous. Yeah, it's oily. Yeah, it's taking time. To, the legs are taking time to come down. So, what kind of mouth feel do you expect with this? It's going to be a rich, fuller mouth feel. Yeah, that's what I would expect too. Onto the nose. The first note that I have is something very sweet. Yeah, some caramel and honey. Hmm. I'm getting dark chocolate. Literally, I'm getting dark chocolate. Hmm. hint of spices yeah hint of mm-hmm. it uh, but that's a layer 2 yeah i okay. guess the more prominent ones are the sweeter ones i guess that's it for me all right let's get into the palate uh it's a bit i mean it's obviously it's sweet 
I'm getting some fragrance as well. Okay. Maybe I mean. What kind of fragrance? Some coffee kind of. Okay. A bit mm-hmm. of coffee. That fragrance. Okay. So yeah, I mean, pretty much about it. Hmm. But even on the nose, you know, you said you get uh, sweet and you get um, honey. You said. But at this point in time, you've got to look a little more into like, you know, is it intense? Um, is it just a light honey? So some people with, you know, amazing noses will even be able to tell what type of honey. Uh, it's okay. like a manuka honey and stuff. Okay. But I aspire to get to that one day. But at least after a certain point, you look at like, you know, is it like a light honey or is it one of those thick forest honeys? Uh, is it, when you say fruity, is it, green apples is it plums it is it dried it's, fruits it's plums okay definitely plums now when you said it um and uh, to answer your question i guess i'm getting intense honey okay caramel mm-hmm. a bit of caramel and intense honey okay how about the mouth feel it was rich mm-hmm. full uh i could feel that you know fullness in the mouth mm-hmm. you finish so finish i'll be honest uh, it was sweet mm-hmm. uh, i can't kind of differentiate more than that okay short long uh medium okay let me just quickly run through what i got um yeah the color was definitely uh, about chestnut and the visual texture is quite thick uh the nose i got an instant sherry hit you know there's it's rich sweet um and little bit syrupy dried fruits plum cake dark chocolate in fact i was thinking kind of like dark chocolate with a little bit of raspberry you know it has a richness to it and a slightly light varnishy wood you know i told you sometime back you'll get smells like your grandmother's yeah. wooden cabinet yeah. Yeah. this is something like that that i get um on the palate uh I was expecting it to be a little more syrupy, but it's not. Uh, maybe you'll get it more in the 16 and the 18. Um, but the definite sherry oak spiciness and a little bitter, but uh, kind of bitter dark chocolate. Again, with that dried fruits and maybe not as much raspberry now, uh, but it doesn't explode like some of the sherry bombs that I like uh, and I really enjoy. Uh, but the mouthfeel, I'd say about medium. Uh, like I said, it didn't really live up to either the visual texture or the nose. Um, the finish, again, a slight oaky bitterness, little tannic, sweet, uh, dry. Flavor camp, this is definitely in that rich and round uh, flavor camp. We hope you've enjoyed the episode so far. But before we go ahead, Here's a word from our partner. Enjoying this podcast? You can also catch this and 200 plus such podcasts on Karwa 2.0 with BBC India, Film Companion, Open Mic Poetry, Sadhguru Isha Foundation, Indian classical renditions by the greatest maestros, stories, rhymes and GK for your kids. Oh, and did we mention the 5,000 preloaded songs and 100 plus unique playlists every day? To know more, go to www.saregama.com now. And we're back. Let's continue.
So onto the whiskey range, uh, it's a fairly straightforward range. There are three double cask matured uh, releases. One is a 12 that we had today and the 16 and the 18. And there's one that is fully matured in Oloros for Sherry Buds. And this is the Abunad. So the Abunad, as far as I know, basically means origin. And uh, this one has whiskies that are between 5 and 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Cask strength. Uh, so this comes out in batches. I think it's probably on batch 60 something now. Uh, but the one that I bought was batch 57, if I'm not wrong. And it was just over 60%. Okay. So, you know, I just told you somehow the 12 didn't really deliver on the mouthfeel. Trust me, if you have that apple over, you're not going to be complaining about any of that. Okay. It's that perfect, you know, after dinner kind of decadent drink. And it's come to have a real cult following. If I had to recommend an Abelover to try, even though they have marked this price up a fair bit recently, it's still a fantastic whiskey. So give it a shot. Um, but I'd just like to say something here. Uh because I said double cask maturation, and I'm also talked about the Abunad, which has been uh, mm-hmm. matured in the Olorosa sherry buds, right? Let's quickly talk about this whole um, sherry maturation thing. I'm not going to get into the types of sherry and things like that. I'm only going to quickly talk about the types of casks that are out there and how to read a label. Uh, so one thing uh, is there are distinctly two different types of casks there's a seasoned cask and a solera cask i so i'd gone to Jerez with uh, netra a few years ago and mm-hmm. uh, we'd gone to what's called a tonelleria which is a cooperage mm-hmm. where they make the casks for the um, for the sherry industry okay so what happens is so the thing is like, you know, what when you talked about bourbon casts and sherry casts in that whiskey production uh, episode, there aren't that many people drinking sherry. But whiskey is absolutely booming. And you see so many, many, many bottlings out there. It says sherry cask matured, sherry mm. cask finished. Or if you go to the Dalmo, finessed in sherry casks. What are all these things? Okay, finessed basically means finished. So we'll get that one out of the way right now. Uh, so the two distinct things. So the two distinct things you can look for is one: is it fully matured in sherry casks, or is it part matured in sherry casks? Mm-hmm. So that itself will tell you, you know, how full a flavor you're going to expect. If it's fully matured in sherry casks, it's going to definitely be heavier then it's going to be heavier, rounder, sweeter than an equivalent whiskey in bourbon and sherry for the same amount of time. Okay. Uh, Uday, just a quick question. You know, when you're talking about sherry casks, Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of flavor profiles are you going to associate with sherry casks? So, like I said, I went to the tonal area and uh, so they, their biggest client is actually McAllen. But you would think that, you know, the biggest client would be the bodegas. But that's not the case. The reason is because a Macallan is predominantly a sherry matured whiskey, they need a frequent supply of these casks. So do a lot of other distilleries also. And just giving this as an example. So what happens is they get the casks made at the uh, cooperage and it's sent to bodegas where they take 
sherry and put it in that cask and season it for whatever 12 months or 24 months or whatever and send it to uh, whichever whiskey distillery so that's just a seasoned cask whereas there's this uh, solera cask that i told you about which is the other type solera is basically a process in the sherry industry so let's say you have four casks one on top of each other yeah and you're going to fill your sherry bottle from the bottom cask mm-hmm. so let's say you take out half the bottom cask and you go for bottling and you need to replace this mm-hmm. so you pour in sherry new sherry from the top oh okay yeah so then it all kind of goes down and now you have the bottom cask full again okay so the essentially what this does is you're always getting the oldest blend uh okay in the bottom cask okay. but there's always that kind of you know uh continuity and there's always going to be that slightly old kind of almost historic uh, sherry in that mix okay yeah so these casks are used for many 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 years so when you get those solera casks they have really really soaked in the flavor they're really high quality casks and they're very hard to source Okay. So you see these casks being used in like you know the more expensive whiskies or the you know or or just some distilleries have access to them and they just make very high quality whiskies. Uh so that was my experience so I had gone to not only the Tonleria but also to a couple of bodegas uh Gonzales Bias Williams and Humbert amazing experience uh, visiting Jerez. So any whiskey fans out there if you're really into uh you know getting into know a little more about sherry little more about casks it's worth a visit uh, down there uh this is something again that we kind of briefly touched upon during that you know uh whiskey production episode so there's two kinds of oaks that are used in sherry casks you have your american oak and you have your european oak mm-hmm. i'll just give you a very broad kind of profile that you can expect you know obviously there's a lot of complexity different types of sherries and all that stuff but broadly when you have american oak that has had sherry in it that cask will most likely give you kind of like a licorice mm-hmm. christmas cake mm-hmm. um treacly kind mm-hmm. of you know that thick profile mm-hmm. um but thick and sweet when you take the european oak which is a spicier wood mm-hmm. uh, more tannic and you put sherry in it and uh, then you obviously you dump it and then you mature your whiskey in it you get kind of a dark chocolate nutmeg cherries mm-hmm. roasted coffee you know that more darker brown yeah. uh, intense kind of flavors is what you can expect okay okay uh, uday that was like really helpful you know all the information that you shared just now and also you know thank you for letting me sample this fine whiskey uh, so you know Can we now move on to our last section, which is the Q and A section? Yeah, sure. The first question is from Shashwat Keshri, and his question is, uh, which is the best single malt ranging in four thousand to five thousand rupees? Uh, Shashwat, I'm not sure where in India you're from, so I'll just go with uh, Karnataka prices. Um, so in India, I'd probably have to pick the Amrut Intermediate Sherry uh, in that price range. or if by any chance you're going to goa um look for the paul john uh, select cask expressions i think at those price points those are exceptional whiskies um and on to the next one this is a question again from the barrel story 
and uh, we're talking about Sherry again. Uh, so the question is, Oloroso or PX, what is the difference in terms of flavors in finishing a malt whiskey? So folks, uh, Oloroso and PX or Pedro Jimenez uh, Sherry's or styles of uh, fortified wines are uh, from uh, Spain. And casks that previously matured these fortified wines are then used to either mature or, uh, you know, just finish whiskey for a certain period. Uh, so this really comes down to the style of the Oloroso or uh, PX that was previously in the cask, like I said. Uh, and I've been to Jerez and I've had a large range of both Oloroso and PX. Um, so, you know, there's no set... Um, profile that you can really really always um, count on but generally speaking all rosso tends to be more balanced and i find it quite uh, biscuity and drier than px uh, well px tends to be more of that you know kind of syrupy cloyingly sweet and raisiny kind of uh, sherry yeah and uh, the next question is from pradyumna rao and the question is, does the whiskey lose its taste when mixed with water? Uh, well, Pradyumna, it depends on how much water you're putting into it. Uh, if it's just a few drops, so let's say you bring it up to 50-50 water to whiskey, uh, the flavor will change. So you'll get various different notes in the whiskey. Uh, so, you know, it depends on what you prefer and what strength um, you're comfortable drinking the whiskey at. If you dilute it beyond that 50-50, then it might become a little too diluted and then the flavors in the whiskey will start getting uh, masked. And now we have the last question. is an interesting one from Intoxicologist 8. And the question is, what is the uniqueness of last drop 48-year-old? Uh, if you have access to this uh, whiskey, then we must be friends. And the reason why I'm saying this, uh, folks, is Last Drop is a company that sources very, very rare whiskies and literally the last drops of these whiskies and puts out these highly exclusive uh, releases. So this particular one is a Last Drop 48-year-old where the youngest whiskey was uh, made in 1965. Uh, it's supposed to be one of the best uh, blends ever made as far as I understand, because I haven't uh, had the chance to drink it. Um, and it must be very, very good if uh, at the price of nearly two and a half lakh rupees a bottle, these sold out in a flash. I'd love to try a drop of that. So that's all for this episode of the Whiskey Advisor, folks. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. In next week's episode, we'll be traveling to the east of Scotland and to explore a style of Highland whiskey that we haven't seen so far. You don't want to miss this. In the meantime, please send in your questions and comments via email, Instagram or Facebook, and we'll answer as many as we can. Particularly any questions about sherry cask maturation, please send them across. All our handles are at the end of the show. Till then, drink well and drink responsibly. Cheers. If you want to learn more about whiskey and Uday's work, visit thewhiskeyadvisor.com. You can send in your questions to us on uday at thewhiskeyadvisor.com or Instagram or Facebook at thewhiskeyadvisor. That's whiskey without the E. The show was brought to you by AudioHop Podcasts. 
Find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Audio Hop Podcasts. We'll be back next week. Until then, keep your spirits up and drink responsibly.